Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Uh, this is a one-man car today. My partner Terry's out doing some apostolic work. I'm reporting for duty. The Terry and Jesse show, this is a holy hour of power. I promise you that this is not going to be low-energy Catholic radio. No, I'm not Jeb Bush. I'm not Joe Biden. Nope. No low energy in this studio. I'm a Catholic with a PhD in common sense. I engage the culture of death with prayer, fasting, and full contact Catholicism. This program is not right versus left. It is right versus wrong. And this is where Catholicism and the culture intersect. I'm reporting for duty. Hey, if you like what you hear, and you're going to like it, you can share the full show link by going to vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at VMPR Radio and our YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. Share us with your friends and evangelize everybody that you love. The month of November, dedicated to the holy souls. The Holy Bible tells us in Psalm 116, verse 15, it says, quote, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. Close quote. The month of November each year is dedicated to, the, to those that are commemorating or, or to commemorating those who have died and departed to their heavenly home. It begins with All Saints Day, uh, celebrated on November 1st. And uh, we remember all the numerous holy souls who have died and are believed to have entered into heaven. Lots to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to be talking about how to respond to family and friends when they call you an election denier. That seems to be the word that's being used as of November 8th from people on the left. You're an election denier. So how do you respond to that? Also, I'm going to talk about half of this country seems to be zombies. I'm not kidding you. As of election night 2022, it seems like we've entered in America into the night of the walking dead. And then finally, I'm going to share with you the Catholic Church's process for canonizing a saint. I think there's about 10,000 canonized saints, but there are hundreds of thousands of saints, if not millions and millions of saints in heaven, that will never be canonized because nobody knows about them. But they're in heaven, enjoying the beatific vision, face-to-face fellowship with God forever in perfect joy, peace, goodness, beauty, truth, and happiness. But uh, there's only a few that actually become noticed, and we call them canonized saints. So we'll be talking about that process, how that happens in the Catholic Church. Uh, before I get into the reading of today, I want to talk about a couple of news items that are important for all of us as Catholics. Uh, as Catholics, let's not forget that, yes, we are citizens of heaven, I get that, but we also live on planet Earth, so we have to engage the culture, we have to engage the public square, we have to enter into the breach. There are, the Senate on Wednesday, first news item, they advanced the Respect for Marriage Act in a 62-37 to 37 vote, with 12 Republicans joining all the Democrats in the vote. So Catholic Votes Catholic Accountability Project noted the number of Catholic politicians who supported this redefinition of marriage bill, including three Catholic Republicans and all 15 Democrats who claim to be Catholic. McConnell also wins leadership election. 
Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell won re-election to lead the GOP in the Senate on Wednesday. I don't think that's good news. Fending off a challenge from Florida Senator Rick Scott and calls from conservative senators to delay the vote until after the Georgia runoff race. Also, Ukrainian missile, not a Russian missile, struck Poland. A missile that crashed inside Poland... A NATO member nation was probably a stray fired by Ukraine's air defenses and not a Russian strike. Poland and NATO officials said on Wednesday, a U.S. official had told the AP on Tuesday that Russia fired the missiles, which killed two. Many media outlets reported that incorrect information as fact, stirring concerns of a large scale confrontation between Russia and the NATO military alliance. Also. A federal judge in Washington, D.C. On, on Tuesday disallowed the continued use of Title 42 to block illegal immigrants from entering the country. Before Biden became president, less than 75,000 immigrants were being arrested for illegally crossing the southern border each month. By July 2021, that number jumped up to 200,000. Tuesday's ruling will only make the current Crisis at the border worse. Also, Meta to stop fact-checking Trump. Yeah, Meta, the company operating big tech giant Facebook, issued a memo saying it will no longer fact-check former President Donald Trump's statements. The memo comes after Trump announces candidacy for president, which, according to company policy, means he cannot be censored. Trump does, however, remain banned from Facebook. And what about uh, the Catholic theologians warned the Vatican? The German bishops traveled to Rome this week for their ad limina meeting, expressing their hopes to ingratiate their advocacy for the controversial synodal way with Pope Francis. However, a group of prominent German lay Catholics warned against the German bishops' rejection of church teachings on sexual morality, the hierarchical, hierarchical structure of the church governance and the all-male priesthood. Bishops, were watching you. And Vatican, we're watching you. Also, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops on Tuesday elected Archbishop Timothy Broglio of the Archbishop of the Mil- for the Military Services. Progressive Catholics had lobbied against Broglio, who's an outspoken defender of religious freedom and of the unborn. But Catholic Votes' Joshua Mercer explains why today's bishops would choose such a leader. The vast majority of bishops at the USCCB are not willing to align with to align with the few outliers who desire to bow to the fact that the second Catholic president in U.S. history is also the most radical and obstinate pro-abortion president ever. Also, building back a better world, Anthony S. Solon exhorts us to emerge from the midterm election seasons with hearts filled with joy and charity. Build then, always build, boldly, cheerfully, bring people back to their own native songs and poetry, their own native customs that once built families and neighborhoods and schools, all within the sound of the church bells. Read the whole thing for a dose of realism and encouragement from Anthony Essel. And also, did you know that... um, that... uh, as Catholics, we call St. Mary Magdalene. She's called the Apostle to the Apostles. Did you know that? St. Mary Magdalene, pray for us. She's called the Apostle to the Apostles. Let's take a look at today's Gospel reading and give some commentary. 
Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 42, 44, excuse me. Today's Holy Gospel. As Jesus drew near Jerusalem, he saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If this day you only knew what makes for peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days are coming upon you, Jerusalem, when your enemies, that's the, those are the Romans, when your enemies will raise a palisade against you, they will encircle you and hem you in on all sides. They will smash you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another within you because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. The gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, just like the Bible says, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. But uh, the Jews, they did the exact opposite. They heard the voice of the Son of God. And what did they do? They hardened their hearts. So what's today's gospel about? Jesus is foreseeing what eventually ended up taking place about 40 years after he said this in today's gospel. Right around AD 70, the Roman army laid siege to, to Jerusalem and destroyed it entirely. They destroyed the temple of Jerusalem. They killed all the Jewish priests called the Sadducees. They slit their throats. They killed 1.2 million Jews. And the final Jews that they killed, they, were, uh, they surrounded them in the hill of Masada. It was called the Battle of Masada. And so the Romans' conquest of the Jewish people, the one true church of Christ in the Old Testament, or the chosen people of God in the Old Testament, it was a sign that God is visiting judgment on this wayward city for their hardness of hearts. Jesus, he clothes his solemn words with the language and imagery of Old Testament prophecy of judgment and destruction. So because Jerusalem has become a repeat offender, it will again suffer the devastation that befell the city in 586 BC when the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem and decimated them back then. So today's gospel, St. Gregory the Great, he gives kind of a mystical exegesis. He says, Christ continues to weep for sinners who like Jerusalem run after evil and refuse to make peace with God. It sounds like America today. Their sins hide from their eyes the judgment that is coming. Otherwise, they would weep for themselves. When the judgment arrives, demons will besiege the soul and the Lord will visit them with his dreadful punishment. Guess what? What happened to Jerusalem in 586 BC, what happened to Jerusalem in 70 AD, is going to happen to America one day. America, if we don't repent... National repentance, national repentance from the top down and individual repentance. We will suffer what Jerusalem suffered and judgment will fall upon this country. We'll be back. Terry and Jesse show. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. St. Elizabeth of Hungary, pray for us. 
I want to talk to you about uh, how to respond to family members and friends when they tell you, hey, Jesse, you're an election denier. You have to just suck it up and you have to just um, accept uh, what happened on, uh, on November 8th. Well, my response is this. I think every patriot, every conservative and person of faith should watch the documentary 2000 Mules. I think uh, Dinesh D'Souza did a yeoman's job of showing the fraud back in 2020 of the elections. The film, uh, the film, the the film 2000 Mules, again, it does a good job showing you, connecting all the dots and showing you how it happened back in 2000. It's, It's said that the communist leader, Joseph Stalin, once said, it's not the people who vote that count, it's the people who count the votes. That's what counts. Socialists are stealing elections and destroying the republic. And uh, by the way, we have socialism in America right now through the Democrat Party, the party of socialism. American communist Gus Hall, he once said this, quote, just as feudalism was an advance over slavery and capitalism was the next step after feudalism. Socialism is the next step after capitalism. Socialism in America will come through the ballot box. Close quote. This this was written by the American communist Gus Hall. He also said, the American communist Gus Hall, he also said regarding our socialist stealing elections, He said this, quote, the Christians are always singing about the blood of Jesus. Let us give them enough of it. Let us cut their throats and drag them over the altar and let them drown in their own blood. I dream of the day when the last priest is strangled on the guts of the last preacher, close quote. Well, this is what communists and socialists think about people of faith, think about conservatives and patriots. So. My response, am I an election denier? Of course not. (laughs) We had the USA national midterm elections November 8th, 2022. And and I voted. However, I am part of the 57% of Americans that believe the elections were rigged again, according to a Rasmussen poll. And interestingly... It would appear that a majority believe mail-in balloting has become the vehicle for this. The left expanded their Chicago-style political machine nationwide. The states that clean their voter rolls and and limit mail-in ballots are less susceptible to this. They're not immune. They're not immune. They're just less susceptible to voter fraud. There's a good article. You can go to my website. Today, I posted these articles on my blog. And it gives you the insight into the legal harvesting, the legal ballot harvesting in Arizona. The two articles, one is, is from the, the conservative treehouse.com, the conservative treehouse.com. The second one, well, the first article gives you the big picture of the 2020 midterm election highlights, and it shows you the differences between ballots and votes. 
The second article I posted on uh, my blog today, it's from thefederalist.com. Yes, it shows you that Biden was hiding his plan to rig the 2022 midterm elections. There's also some other good articles that I've posted. One of them says, quote, they didn't steal Florida because DeSantis signed allegory, excuse me, DeSantis signed election integrity laws. They don't have vote by mail, drop boxes, and ballot harvesting. The Democrats also laundered money through the Ukraine. It's in this article that I have posted on my blog today. But again, uh, this is why Florida didn't have these problems. And they have three times the population or two of the types of population of Arizona. And they finished at midnight counting their ballots. Why? Because they don't have uh, vote by mail, drop boxes, and ballot harvesting. Also, something that's a fact is that the billionaire big tech companies donated 12 times more to Democrats than Republicans. That's just a fact. That's on Breitbart.com, by the way. And then you can also watch shocking testimony that reveals Democrats were stealing overseas and military ballots from Michigan, Georgia, and now Arizona as well. And you can watch the shocking testimony on dailyconservativescoop.com. It's on my blog. The link is on my blog. And then the fourth article that I posted is called The Fix is In. Arizona ballots make stop at Runbeck Printing Company to scan ballot envelopes before they are sent to Maricopa County with no observers. So you can watch trucks pull in with ballots, full of ballots in the back, go into Runbeck Printing Company to scan ballot envelopes, and then the doors are closed and the chain of custody is broken. And so this election should be deemed null and void. The fifth article that I have posted is is from Seth Kieschel. He's a former Army Intelligence Military Officer. And he says that the cause of Arizona's machine tabulator failure identified the ballots were larger than printer parameters. This was willful incompetence. This is found at thegatewaypundit.com. Thegatewaypundit.com. And the sixth article I posted tells us that Maricopa County election judge believes the machines were programmed to reject ballots on election day by Jim Hoff. This is on thegatewaypundit.com. Then we have Charlie Kirk who posted seven ways or six ways how to steal how to steal Arizona. Charlie Kirk writes number 1 50,000 to 100,000 fake ballots, dead voters early on via mail in voting to put Democrats ahead and set the narrative that they are in the lead. Number two, 30% of the machines malfunction in Republican strongholds. They don't tabulate those Republican votes, but have have them put in box number three for later tabulation. (laughs) Number three, accidentally mix those votes with pre-counted ones to create confusion but really destroy those Republican ballots and replace them with Democrat ones. Number four, delay counting for a week 
carefully control which ones, which votes are counted and released, so the Democrats are always in the lead. Number five, over days and weeks, adjudicate, find more ballots and, and machine switch just enough so that, so what should be very high, high Republican votes just barely underperform. Number six, the mainstream media declares Democrat winners far in advance, spreading the propaganda that Democrats have won. You can find this all at charliekirk.com, charliekirk.com, how to steal Arizona. You know, stealing elections is as old as prostitution. It's been going on since the beginning of governments. Stealing elections in recent times is a known socialist communist tactic. Again, Joseph Stalin once said, it doesn't matter who votes. What matters is who counts the votes. Many Democrats call themselves the, quote, Democrat Socialist of America, or DSA. For example, a couple of DSA members are AOC, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and too many others. So they admit that they're Democrat Socialist of America. Socialism is just a mild form of communism. If this party, the Democrats, is is willing to kill babies, do you think that stealing an election causes them to look sleep, to lose sleep? The devil has come to steal, to slaughter, and destroy. The devil comes to lie and murder. The devil comes to deceive. The Democrat Party follows their father, Satan. They steal, slaughter, destroy, lie, murder, and deceive. This country's Satanists and witches support Democrats and Biden. To prove that communism and Nazism and socialism are all the same, just think about the titles of totalitarian Russia and totalitarian Germany. Totalitarian Russia was called USSR, Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. It doesn't say Union of Soviet Communist Republics. It says Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Why? Socialism is communism. It's totalitarianism. Also, the Nazi acronym. Let's take a look at the Nazi acronym. National Socialist German Workers Party. Huh. National Socialist German Workers Party. Notice. Nazism is a totalitarian form of governing. The eyes seen in the socialist cake is summed up in Lenin's short statement that the goal of socialism is communism. That's what Lenin said. Socialism leads to communism, and we have that in America today through the Democrat Party. Today we have communism light in America. They're called the Democrat Socialist Party, the DSA. <clears throat> and these are the ones that basically are the movers and shakers of the Democrat Party. And the mainstream Democrats fear them. And this is why I will say, until the Lord calls me to my true home, please God, that you can't be a Catholic and vote for a Democrat. Yep, I said it. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. I want to just talk a little bit about St. Elizabeth of Hungary in the last two minutes I have before we go on to the next topic. St. Elizabeth of Hungary. 
pray for us. She was a Hungarian princess. Elizabeth was married to Ludwig at the age of 14, and together they had three children. Elizabeth was devoted to her husband. He, for his part, grew to love Elizabeth's open-handed care for the poor. He just told her one day, he he says, quote, so long as you don't sell the castle, I'm happy with you, close quote. That's what he declared. And so Ludwig, landgrave of Thuringia, he died while on his way to the Crusades in 1227 A.D. So Elizabeth gave herself over to diligent prayer, penance, and tending the poor in the hospital that she founded. She died in the habit of the Franciscan Third Order at the age of 24. St. Elizabeth of Hungary, through your intercession, pray for us. We'll be right back. Stick around. We're going to talk about, do we have zombies in America? Hmm, interesting. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse Show. One man car. My name is Jess Romero. Election 2022, it seems to be like it was the night of the walking dead. What do I mean by that? To me, it seems like if half the country... They don't think. Somebody who doesn't think and doesn't have a heart, we call that, we call them zombies. Zombies are the most commonly, you know, they're found in horror and fantasy genre works. They're the, uh, the reanimation of a corpse, an undead corporeal, you know, created through the reanimation of a corpse. They don't have any, any moral conscience. They don't have a heart. And it seems like we have that in America right now. Although election night was not good news for the GOP in general, Democrats have proven themselves as the party of the walking dead. Yes. If the Democrats prove one thing on Tuesday night, is that they're quite happy to vote for a brain dead zombie for a major state senatorship, John Fetterman. He can barely walk. Or talk or even think. It's as if a walker invaded Hilltop and was elected leader over Maggie Ree. In the genre of zombies, there are fast zombies, which are the most dangerous. And then you have slow zombies that can still kill you nonetheless, but they're slower. It's just that you have a better chance of getting away from a slow zombie. The good news is Fetterman, like Joe Biden is a slow zombie. But it's revealing that Democrats have proven themselves as a party of the walking dead. And uh, I I know people think I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek. No. No, there's a lot of truth to what I'm saying. By the way, this article, if you want to get it, it it's been written by Austin Roos. It's called Election 2022, Night of the Walking Dead. You can get it from vmpr.org. Or my website, jesseromero.com. Austin Roos says, The Night of the Walking Dead was not good news for the GOP. The grand old party was giddy to get 40-plus seats in the House and take the Senate by three or four, maybe five seats. But, but as of this writing, it appears the GOP will just take the House in a squeak and the Senate's coming down to a runoff in Georgia between Ralph Warnock and Herschel Walker. 
Recall this was a situation when two years ago when Trump virtually virtually gave to Georgia seats to the Democrats by not being able to control his emotions. These numbers will change once Arizona and Nevada finish counting with their old-fashioned abacus. <laughs> to continue the walking dead metaphor, two lockdown Democrats won. Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan and Kathy Hochul in New York. It should be noted that Hochul's Manhattan is nearly uninhabitable because the, the zombies rule the streets and certainly the subways. These were two of the most aggressive states in masking, vaccine lockdowns and the release of violent criminals thanks to their beloved Soros prosecutors. The unborn child lost Tuesday night big, big time. Michigan, Vermont, and California made killing babies a constitutional right. And Kentuckians refused a constitutional amendment to protect the unborn. The Walking Dead particularly like children since they, since they tend to be even slower than slow zombies. Trump seems to have lost on Tuesday, Austin, Austin Roos writes. It appeared he was not the kingmaker he was supposed to be. As of writing, as of this writing, his endorsement seems largely not to have worked. He made nine endorsements for the governor. He won only two, lost four with three outstanding. He made 11 endorsements for the U.S. Senate. Only five have won, three of which hardly needed him at all. He made 17 endorsements for the House of Representatives. Five have won, five have lost, and the rest are undetermined. It is absurd that the GOP did not run away with this election. First, It's an off-year election in which the newly elected president parties often loses, often bigly. Second, the economy's in terrible shape. It's shocking that people did not vote gas prices alone. Then there's the threat of nuclear war. And the murder rate is exploding all over the country. And yet the GOP... Only one a squeaker. Hmm. What's going on here? In a glimmer of interesting news, the GOP won married men, single men, and married women, and they massively lost single women who are eager to marry the state and the promise of abortion rather than their baby daddy. Other good news is that the GOP continued to make inroads into the minority party. According to exit polling by CNN, Democrats' support from black men fell from 76% to 65%. Hispanic support for the party of the walking dead fell from 29% advantage from from Latino men to a mere 8% advantage. So the GOP even made gains among the youngsters. In the 18 to 29 demographic support, support for the Democrats fell from a whopping 35% advantage to a 28%. So, the debate raging right now is which Republican gets a bounce out of a bad night. There's, there is, uh, you have a lot of rhinos that are condemning, of course, former President Donald Trump. He's being blamed by the rhinos for the red wave receding into nearly nothingness. And who knows? Maybe in part, I think he was hated so much by the left, they, they wanted to make sure to demoralize 
the deplorables, the rest of us deplorables, they wanted to ensure that his candidates that he was endorsing would not win to demoralize the rest of us and to discredit him. We're also told, again, that we were, by the, by long shot, the Republicans, the GOP, were outspent 10 to 1 by the Democrats. <clears throat> Trump's speech the other night was very conciliatory. He didn't talk about the the his election and all the problems with that election. He didn't talk about November 8th election. He talked about the state of the country in the last two years and what he would do. And so he gave us he gave us solutions to the problems that we're facing right now. That was a breath of fresh air. And I'll tell you why. Because you see, when Joe Biden gives a speech, he berates us like we're his little kids. He demeans us. Like if, uh, you know, again, like if, like if we're children, you know, you know, in under his, uh, under his household. But also, let's look at some of the bright things that happened. At the same time, there are these, uh, you know, these general huzzas, you know, these shouts and screams for Ron DeSantis. We got to admit that he's done a remarkable job in the past few years. He, he stood up to woke bullies. I mean, Disney, that was a huge test for him. Standing up against Walt Disney. It's, uh, you know, headquartered in California. He stood up to them. He, st- he stands up to woke bullies. And he also stood down the damage of a massive hurricane. So he's shown abundantly the kind of courage that Trump has shown, but also a greater ability to effectively govern. What we know is that the country is deeply divided. And each side thinks the other side are dangerous lunatics. So now the GOP is either Trump's or it's DeSantis' party. Personally, I take either one of them. (laughs) I know uh, you have people that would argue for Trump or DeSantis. Hey, as far as I'm concerned, whatever God permits to happen, any of them would be a vast improvement over Joe Biden. And yes, most Trumpers would be happy to stand with Ron DeSantis if that's the case. Not a problem. But I will tell you, the Democrats are the party of the walking dead right now. Biden, Fetterman, Pelosi, they're zombies. Zombies that millions have voted for. When I look at these people, I say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And I hope you say the same thing. So as a Catholic, let's just uh, remember what we need to be doing. 
we need to first of all wake up don't hit the snooze button make sure that every one of us we're in a fight we're in the fight of our life we have to know that and there's so there's no time right now for people to take a siesta as a Catholic, as a Roman Catholic Christian, a patron, a person of faith, and a conservative, stay close to the authentic teachings of the church. Stay under Our Lady's mantle with the rosary. Stay close to the sacred heart of, of Jesus, especially of our Lord's in the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle. And remember, you got to be battle ready. You got to take back the church. That's God's will. God wills it. My fellow lay Catholics, we will spend the rest of our life in this spiritual warfare. And if you want to get to heaven, you'll have to die fighting. But fight. You have the angels on your side. And make sure that before you die and that I die, you leave it all out on the field for Jesus Christ. Pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. It's Father to Pia. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't change that dial. We're going to talk about how does one become a saint in the Catholic Church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. So what is the Catholic Church's process for canonizing a saint? Well, there are some saints that are recognized as saints and have never been canonized. I'll give you one off the top of my head. Saint Dismas, the thief at the right hand of Jesus. He was canonized not by a pope, not by the church, not by an investigation. He was canonized directly by Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? One of the things about the Catholics and Orthodox, we have a relationship with the saints. The Protestants don't. And this strikes many Protestants as somewhat, I don't know, extraneous or idolatrous. They'll say, hey, just why don't you guys just honor God? And why all the extra to do about the saints? Well, the reason is, the basic reason is, is God makes the fuss about the saints. We don't, he does. In fact, it says in Psalm 148, verse 14 of the Revised Standard Version, it says this, praise for all his saints. Psalm 148, verse 14, praise for all his saints. So God tells us to praise the saints. To love God is to to love those that he loves. And who does God love? Those in heaven. To praise the saints is to praise their God. It's not a sum zero. It's not a zero sum game, by the way. Jesus Christ came to make sinners saints. So when an artist works hard, it's hardly polite to ignore his masterpiece. And that's exactly what the saints are. They are God's masterpieces. God's dream team. 
Over the centuries, the Catholic Church has identified over 10,000 people who have earned the title of saint, according to Britannica Encyclopedia. Some have detailed biographies that include for certainty their dates of birth and death, where they lived and ministered, while the historical details of just as many are lost to history. The list of saints includes men, women, and children. Many were martyred, just as many died of natural causes. The list also includes people from all six of the seven continents. Here's something interesting. No one from Antarctica has been canonized yet, according to gcatholic.org, which is, that website is called Saints and Blessings of the Catholic Church, by pontificate, by country, by year of date, by date of death, by name. So, the first person made a saint by a papal decree was Ulrich, Bishop of Augsburg, all the way back in 993 AD, according to a Companion Britannica report. While the most recent, or more accurately, uh, the person to be named saints were 10 men and women from varying nations and backgrounds. Becoming a saint is most is mostly it's not a matter of the Pope simply putting pen to paper. There's a process. Although in extraordinary cases like martyrdom, that's a shortcut. You get killed for Jesus, you're a saint, you're going straight to heaven. There's no discussing your case, you know, with, with uh for the, in the cause for saints. If you die for Jesus Christ, that's called red martyrdom. You go straight to heaven. You are a saint in heaven forever. But let's take a look at some of the at some of the steps, some of the basic steps. Step one, to meet the basic requirement. In order to be named a saint, there are two basic requirements that are for all intents and purposes non-negotiable. The first and most obvious requirement is that the person is a Catholic. As uh, and and again, that that's just number one. The second basic requirement is that the person is dead. No living person can be deemed a saint or even considered for sainthood. They must be dead. Step number three. They should be dead for five years. In order for a person to be considered for sainthood, at least five years must pass after their death before the process can even begin. The reason for this is that emotions can run high after a person's death and and a rush to get the person deemed a saint could result in unacceptable shortcuts being taken. Some saints have had to wait considerably longer than five years in order to be named a saint. For example, the 800 Italian martyrs, officially the Otranto martyrs had to wait a few centuries between their martyrdom and sainthood. Saint Bede the theologian, for example, by comparison, had to wait over 1,100 years after his death for his sainthood. The five-year waiting period can be waived in extraordinary circumstances. However, for example, Pope Benedict XVI waived the requirement for his predecessor, Pope John Paul II. Similarly, Pope Francis waived the five-year requirement for Mother Teresa. And we now now call her Saint Mother Teresa. 
Step number three, live a life of heroic virtue or be martyred. In order to be considered for sainthood, assuming the candidate must have been, has been dead for at least five years and was while they lived a Catholic, the person must have lived a life of heroic virtue. The qualifications for heroic virtue are laid out pretty plainly. The candidate's life must have in some extraordinary and consistent way been lived in a way that exemplifies the four cardinal virtues, prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice, and the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. In order to determine if a candidate met those requirements, the local bishop or the place where the candidate lived will investigate the person's life, and if they pass muster, be deemed a servant of God. After that designation, a Vatican committee will look more deeply into the matter, and if they approve, the candidate's case will be sent to the Pope, while the matter continues to be investigated, this time looking for miracles, and uh, the process can be first... Can't... The process can, excuse me, the process can be fast-tracked in a manner of speaking. For example, if the candidate was martyred, which is to say they gave up their life for their faith. And then step four. Step four, a miracle done beatification. After the initial investigations, uh, the matter of the candidate for sainthood is sent to the Pope. If he agrees that the person did indeed live a life of heroic virtue, they're deemed venerable. However, there's more work to be done, and that means that the church will look into whether or not the candidate can be credited with any, with any miracles after their death. If it can be verified that the candidate interceded on behalf of an individual who prayed to them and performed a miracle, then it's proof not only that the candidate is in heaven, but that they hear the supplicants' prayers and can act on them. So how are miracles verified? By way of example, in the case of Pope John Paul II, the Vatican investigated reports by a French nun who claimed that she was cured of Parkinson's disease after she and her sisters prayed for the intercession of the former pope. The Vatican looked into the matter, including by reviewing her medical records and determined that there was no logical medical explanation for her sudden cure. Ergo, Pope John Paul II was credited with a miracle. So once a miracle has been verified, the person is beatified. I mean, that's not the same as having sainthood conferred on them, but it is the penultimate step. In the case of martyrs, proof of miracles is not required for sainthood. Very important. Then step five, you get canonized. And now you're finally deemed a saint in the Catholic Church. So what are those steps? The final step in becoming a saint is canonization. This happens after a second miracle has been attributed to the candidate. That requirement, that requirement can be waived in the case of martyrs. Once all of the I's have been dotted and all the T's have been crossed, the candidate is canonized by the Pope, which is to say, officially deemed a saint. That's called canonization by the Pope. Canonization masses are a huge deal. For the 2014 canonization of Pope John Paul II, 
Thousands flocked to Vatican City. And the church even released mobile apps so the ceremony could be broadcast to those who couldn't make it. Canonization is more than just words on paper recognizing the saint. He or she can now be given patronage. The faithful can beseech him or her for in her intercession. Churches can be named for them. Feast days can be appointed for them. Relics can be displayed publicly and the saint can be depicted with a halo. So, once again, as Catholics, Psalm 144, 148 verse 14, it tells us, Praise for all his saints. The saints are God's masterpieces. That's exactly what they are. And the saints have no other job description other than to pray for us, the church militant here on earth. And so as a Catholic, make sure that you... Some people say, well, well, just how can the saints hear thousands of prayers at once? They're not omniscient like God. Well, my response would be, look and think about this. Off-the-shelf personal computers can run a dozen different highly sophisticated programs simultaneously thanks to a few silicon sand chips. So think about this. If primitive thinking machines made by human hands can be invented to perform such feats within limitations of time and space, then why in heaven can't a glorified saint be capable of doing more than one thing at a time? In eternity, remember, there is no time, clocks, pagers, or wristwatches, or cell phones. Also remember that the number of our prayers is finite. There are not an infinite number of prayers being sent to heaven. Besides that, God is outside of time. And the saints are with God, so they're outside of time. And so God can answer prayers in real time and apply them to those in the past. That's a wrap. My name is Jess Romero. This is Virgin Most Powerful Catholic Radio. And remember, pray your rosary every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. Live in a state of grace. Do not live in a state of mortal sin. Read your Bible every day. Pray and fast. Go to monthly confession. And make sure that before you die, you leave everything out in the field. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us, pray for our country. That's a wrap.